In this episode, we're gonna cover new media, modern SEO, and AI in marketing. I spoke with Michael Cahill about this and more. Michael works with DTC and health companies to grow revenue through SEO, content marketing, and SEM. And he's helped grow search programs at dozens of companies. So let's dive right into it. Would love to start with basically the, the highest level overview of, of media 2.0 versus 3.0 and kind of just get more specific from there. So as, as you perceive it at, at the very least, where does media kind of stand now compared to what it used to be maybe five, 10 years ago? Sure. I, I mean, I think when you look at the evolution of media over the past decade, right? There was a race forever just competing for eyeballs, right? Media companies just needed clicks. They just needed big numbers to bring into advertising agencies to bring to brands to be able to say we have 25, 35, 45 million people. And so in order to do that, the what wasn't as important as just sort of the, the end goal, which was how do we get as many eyeballs, right? So whether that was SEO and turning over news modules and writing about the latest, you know, the celeb breakups or sports news or political news, and then transforming that and then moving into, you know, sort of the Facebook virality and then to the Facebook three second, you know, video. I think that was such a focus for media companies for the longest time. And while I don't think that that's completely changed, I think that, you know, media companies still need big audiences. It's still helpful to walk into a a brand and say, hey, we reach this many people a month. I think media companies are getting much smarter about how they position themselves to form a unique relationship with their audience, right? And so I think it's a lot more personality driven. I think it's a lot more creator driven. I think it's a lot more topic driven where they want to focus in on sort of an identity with their audience. This is who we are. This is what we talk about. And, you know, these are the people that you can talk about it with. And I think you're seeing that a lot. And some of the most successful brands were early to that. And I think a lot of companies are, I think a lot of companies are catching up. And I think you're seeing that in a variety of products that they're, you know, that they're using now. So along, well, along with that shift at a channel level, what are, or maybe even format level, but what, what are the different ways now that media companies are kind of thinking through, oh, we should kind of try this channel as a meaningful way to, to impact business that maybe weren't being used as much five years ago? Yeah, I mean, I think you can even look at it as something as simple as sort of how newsletters have evolved in that time, right? I mean, I think, you know, when I got my start in media, newsletters were largely just a link dump, right? It was the 10 stories of the day, the 15 stories of the day, often without a lot of context, maybe, a, you know, a very slight explanation, but it was, you know, literally just sort of curating a bunch of links. Anything now we see, you know, I mean, even on independent platforms like Substack, but we're seeing it even within you know, media companies, it's cultivating a personality, cultivating trust with a specific person who's either talking you through something in like sort of a narrative format or talking you through links, but doing it in a way that's more curated. You know, you look at how sort of Axios does it, the AM and the PM emails where, you know, you are still getting a collection of links and a collection of stories, but you're getting it in a curated, curated way with a voice that you trust. And so I think newsletters are a great example of sort of how that product is changing and how they're thinking about how do we create something that, you know, for lack of a better term or, or a very popular term, how do we create something that's sticky? How do we create something that our audience wants to come back to? And how do we associate it with someone or something that they trust? Well, what about the, the SEO side of this? I am curious to know what your perception is of kind of where it used to be versus where it is now and how media plays into that as well. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it depends on the media company, right? So there's always been sort of two houses of SEO, right? There's this sort of the long tail evergreen. And you see that a lot, like the lifestyle content, right? Where you're writing about, you know, maybe larger evergreen queries, or you're writing about ideas and guides and, and how to's around different things that are going to sort of, you know, be an interest for audiences for years to come. And then you have the other side of that, which is sort of more the quick turn news, right? Somebody who's writing about sort of the daily updates and whatever beat they cover. And I think in, in both situations, they've changed to just want to create a more meaningful experience. I mean, we knew this for a long time, and this isn't necessarily brand new to SEO, but we knew that like over time, the quality of what you find on search has gotten much better, right? You can't game Google the way you, you know, you might have been able to 15, 20 years ago, and especially over the last few years, I think brands and media companies have started to one, try and focus in on, on having a beat, right? We cover this thing, even if it's something that may seem as trivial as like, you know, celeb news, right? We cover this thing or we cover entertainment, but we cover a, spe a specific niche of entertainment. And I think you're seeing a lot of success when media companies are starting to pare down what they try and go after in search. I think Google in, in what I've witnessed, Google is rewarding media companies who have a focus, sort of the catch-all media publisher who says, I write about politics just as much as I write about celeb news, just as much as I write about, you know, some other category. I think those publishers are finding it harder and harder to maintain traction across all their verticals and across sort of all their interests. And I think the media companies or the sites that are saying, hey, we're more hyper-focused on this general area or this like specific niche within, you know, entertainment or within politics or within, you know, you know, health and wellness. I think those people are seeing better and, and, and longer success from Google because they're, they're staying much more focused. That's interesting. One of the common things that's going around now for the past couple of years now is like every media or every company is a media company or they should be. I am, I'd love to know if, first off, if you think that's true. And second off, if you do think that's true, what that actually looks like. If, if a company decides, okay, we're going to, we're a software company, but we also need to be a media company. How do they start integrating that? Yeah. I'm not sure that that is the case. And I'm not sure that it needs to be the case. I don't think every company needs to be a media company. I think if you have a product that you're selling and that product is valuable to the user. I'm not sure that you need to create a ton of content around it to support it. If the product itself is good enough, I think that that in and of itself is, is winning. And I don't think you need to all of a sudden consider yourself a media company, or you need to have a podcast, or you need to have a curated newsletter. I think that those kinds of products can be good too, for like bringing people into the ecosystem, right? If they're, if they're not familiar with your brand, it's a way for you to like begin and open a conversation. So I think it can be valuable, but I don't think that it it's necessary to say that like, you know, every brand needs to go out and get themselves a podcast or a newsletter or start a blog or, you know, release a bunch of e-guides. I mean, again, some of those things are helpful in the right setting of creating more brand awareness, having a conversation, you can use them in paid marketing and, and things like that. But I think that, I think that sometimes companies who do that are distracting themselves from the goal, which is how do you make your product better? And, and, and sometimes letting that product speak for yourself. If you, if you were advising a company that's kind of trying to figure out this media, like they have some kind of media wing, they value it. 
and they want to do things that are more modern that are going to work now, how would you kind of help guide them along the path to like really setting up a meaningful program that they actually keep using and actually gets results for them? You mean in terms of like content and sort of... Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I I think it comes back to really simple questions that I think we... I, I see companies often miss, which is what value do you bring your end customer? What value do you have out in the world? You know, what are you an expert at? What can you teach someone? How can you help them navigate? You know, if you're a, if you're a B2B company, right? Like what is your value to other businesses beyond just, you know, we have this piece of software that a business can use, you know, maybe it's, Hey, we have a lot of insight into how companies can be most productive or how teams can collaborate. It's finding the thing that you do really well and then understanding too, like, well, how do we serve that to that audience in a meaningful way? You know, we can write an article a day about productivity and team collaboration, maybe, or maybe it's, hey, we think that there's a, there's a gap in the marketplace where there's not enough conversation around, you know, productivity and learning from each other. And so we want to create a, a, a blog or a podcast or a video series that highlights that. So I think it's coming back to like, what do you do really well? And where do you have knowledge that one, you know, your peers don't have the kind of knowledge that you do. And two, where is there a little bit of a gap? Because if you're just doing the same thing that everyone else is, if you say, hey, I understand productivity, I'm, I'm also going to write an article about it, or I'm also going to have a blog that's going to, or a podcast that's going to look like everyone else's, then you're not differentiating yourself enough. And it's going to be really hard to break through. So you either have to be first best or different, right? So how can you do something that no one's doing? How can you do it either better than anybody else is doing it? Or how can you just create something that's unique to you that maybe you'll find an audience for? So it's like kind of thinking them through those three lenses. How am I either first, best, or different? There, I think a lot of people that value content are, are thinking through the lens of, okay, well, should I do this media stuff more organically? So should I just be creating a lot of content myself? Or should I try to do this paid where maybe I'm pointing ads to my content or even the flip of that, like sponsoring other people's content to get my name out there and they're treating that as media or whatever. What, how, how would you kind of guide a company trying to make that decision? Would you just say do both or do you think a focus is required? I think ideally if you can do a combination of both, right? Because as I usually see it, the organic work that you're doing, whether it's a blog or you're starting a podcast or you're starting a newsletter. Now that stuff takes time to grow. I wish I had a, you know, a trick or some sort of hack that could accelerate that so fast that you're like, look, we're exactly where we want to be. But blogs take time to grow. Organic search takes time to grow. Newsletter subscriptions take time to grow. Word of mouth can take time to grow. And, you know, you're not always going to like find that one thing that's going to, you know, all of a sudden catapult your subs or you're not going to get that one shout out that you wanted to, that's going to all of a sudden, you know, make your podcast go from, you know, a thousand listens a month to, you know, 10,000 listens a month. So organic's always going to take time, but I think it's always valuable because I think it's an authentic relationship that people who find you are really going to be into what you, what, what you have to say. You're not going to have to continue to pay to make them see your content. And so like, if you can adopt a real authentic you know, user or listener or subscriber, that's always going to be really valuable to you. 
And that's going to be a really beneficial lasting relationship. And the same thing, like on the search side, if you can create content that's really in touch with your audience and what they're searching for, and you're creating content that's going to help them solve problems, that's always going to be a really meaningful way to do it. But that takes time. And if you're a small company that really needs to see some sort of traction, then I think you have to balance that. What I find a lot of times when I'm working with companies is it's either one or the other. They're either all in on organic and they don't want to spend any money on paid or they're all in on paid and they don't, they're like, we don't even, can't even think about organic right now because we want to invest all our money into turning customers or turning users into customers now. And I think either one has a lot of drawbacks and I think you have to find a way to do both. I think you use that paid lever to help keep you going while you're building that organic relationship in the background. And then eventually, you know, hopefully as you gain more organic users, as you gain more organic traction in whatever medium you're going for, you'll be able to turn the dial down a little bit on the paid or, you know, you, you'll find ways to, or you'll find ways to increase your paid because you're bringing in additional revenue from that organic. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think one of the, one of the common things, pitfalls, I guess, of what that people think is that SEO just means blog. And I think that that's, that's an area that's particularly changed over time. To you now, when you hear SEO, how does it go beyond just a blog? And does the blog even look different now? I think so. I mean, I think, I think SEO is about creating content for where your users want to be before they even know that they want to be there. And I think when we, when I think about SEO, I think we've seen a change over time. You know, we talked a little bit earlier about how the quality of SEO has had to be better over the last decade, and it's gotten a little bit better every year. I mean, Google's gotten smarter about trying to f connect people to the exact right content. But I think we're seeing more, you know, guides and, and e-guides and sort of bigger white papers be things that people are finding in search. People are finding podcasts and video content. So I think when we think about like, you know, the search engines on places like TikTok, you know, there's different search engines now. It's not just Google. So I think it's really about creating content where you think your users are going to be, because there's always going to be a search platform that's going to help you find it, especially on places like TikTok and obviously on places like Google. But there's going to be a search engine that's going to help connect your content to the users who's looking for it. And so I think it's about really figuring out what your user wants, you know? So I think that in terms of, of what, SEO is, I think it's, I think it just means like, again, finding a connection to users where they're at by understanding what they're looking for and, and knowing what they're going to look for and anticipating that content before they get there. Right. Like knowing that, like, if you're starting a business, you're going to eventually run into this problem and I have a solution for you. So I'm going to create that content now and you may not be ready for it today, but in six months, you're going to be ready for it. I run my own business and there are questions I have now that it didn't have a year ago, or there are challenges that I face today that I didn't face a year ago. And so now I find myself looking for things I never thought I would. So the company who's ahead of that and is anticipating, okay, you're having trouble with this. We have a solution for you is the people that now I'm interacting with and I'm looking at their, what they have to offer me. Yeah, that's, it's, it's changed so much. And we're kind of going into another area, I think, where SEO is going to have to take another leap with all the generative AI tools that are coming out. And you, you talk about this leap in quality that that's happened up until this point. You could argue that now we risk 
you know, going backwards a considerable amount when, when all these people are going to start creating AI generated content without actually using it to make things better, but just to use it purely as content. I think we've seen some of that. With, with that in mind, how do you see integration of AI working with SEO? I mean, I, AI will have utility in SEO. I mean, it already does. I'm using a lot of AI tools to test with clients to see about, hey, there, here's a general query that we want to write content around. How do we, you know, can AI do the trick? And I mean, it gets you a healthy amount of the way there. I think in most of the stuff that I've seen so far, it still needs a, a human touch, but it, it really does help you put a lot of the pieces in place. So it's going to be able to help save time. It may be able to save some money somewhere along the line. But where I think that companies are going to really be helped, you know, going outside of AI is tapping into their already existing user base, right? If you sell a product, yes, I can write an AI article that's going to address a challenge that you may have down the line, right? Like I referenced me being a business owner, I may find some AI generated content that talks about, you know, getting leads or, you know, some accounting thing or staffing issues that I might be having. And I may find some AI generated content that leads back to a service or a software that can help me. But I think that like, there's an enormous opportunity for companies to tap into their users and tell their stories and really find a way to have an authentic connection with their audience and saying like, Hey, we're not just bringing you a sort of copy paste to look at, you know, what the Google answer to this question is. We're going to tell the story of a real user who used our software or had a, a similar challenge. And here's how they were able to solve that problem. Right. And I think you see it too. Like, you know, AI will help with some of these, like I said, some of these evergreen queries where the answer is really just a matter of like researching the internet. And there's, you know, a bunch of stuff you can pull in from that and, and leave it there in that piece. But I think that like, as brands want to grow and they want to become brands, it's about cultivating a relationship and you need, I really do believe still and and for a long time you're going to need humans to do that whether it's you know using your existing users to help you and your existing customers to help you tell stories or whether it's just the connection that you have with your audience you know if you look at tiktok i guarantee 98 percent of the people you follow aren't like faceless brands they're actual people who are creating content and i think the newsletters you follow most of them are probably tied to a person or the ones that you read every day are tied to a person or a personality. We see it on platforms like Substack too. So I think like, I think AI will definitely help and will certainly become a bigger and bigger part of marketing and SEO in general. But I don't think it can replace the idea that like people are always going to look for some level of authenticity, especially as they start to be, become bombarded with more and more stuff that they can't tell whether, you know, we see it in affiliate content right now where you get like the 50 top vacuum cleaners under $250 on Amazon. I have no idea. I'm guessing if you wrote that article that you didn't review or look at all of those vacuum cleaners, you're just picking stuff off of Amazon. You might not have even reviewed one of them. And so I think we're really looking now towards places where there is authenticity and experience attached to it. And Google, I know, revised their EAT model to be to add experience to that. I think that's going to be a big thing going forward. So like, I think humans are always going to have a place when it comes to like telling authentic stories. Yeah, I, I love that perspective because you, you can kind of see a future where uh, I think even Google just showed this at their their latest thing with Bard, where 
the search results become more, you search for a query like usual, but it's going to pull up like a full answer, like this, like a snippet would now, but even, even greater depth. And then you're just going to have like other kind of related articles off to the side, but much less prevalent, less findable, I guess. You can see it. You can see a future where blogging really doesn't exist in the same way that it does now. And where it's exactly what you're saying, where the AI is going to answer any Googleable question. And then it's the emotional side that's left. It's the stories. It's the things that couldn't possibly be done outside of someone's own brain. What What are some other examples that you can think of, of, of that type of content that might end up being really beneficial for companies to actually start wor working through? Like you, you mentioned customer stories. Is there any other types of content you think would be AI proof almost? I mean, I think, I, I think it's, I think it's that same thread just applied everywhere else, right? It's like firsthand experience. It's firsthand knowledge. It's just having that connection. You know, if you're writing a blog for your business and you want to talk about, you know, the best software, or the best way to do this challenge, it's always helpful when you have a personal anecdote that's like, look, I experienced this. This is how I got through it. And I think again, you know, like at some point, I'm sure we can train an AI to fake that to a degree, but I do think that like, I think that it's, it's going to be just easier and it's going to feel better for you to just say, look, I'm just going to put my own experience into this, or I'm going to use the experience of my customers. I mean, case studies have always been helpful for years, right? Because it's, it's proof positive that you've done the thing that you say you're going to do. And you have firsthand knowledge and experience that you know how to get that result or, or achieve that, you know, achieve that milestone or that goal. And I think, you know, being able to use those kinds of things and, and, and highlight the journey of your users, user testimonials, user generated content in general is going to be really helpful for, for all these businesses. So I would say like, if there's businesses out there who are thinking about like, well, how do I form a more authentic relationship? And it's like, well, talk to the customers that you have and try and get their stories and try and learn from them and work with them. This my last question here. And then, and then we'll wrap things up just holistically after everything we've talked through today, if. A company came to you looking for advice and they were creating pretty basic content. They, they really wanted to lean into creating organic and paid content and, and build a true media program, but they really just had no idea where to start, what to do next. What, what would you do to, what, how would you coach them? What questions would you ask them to just at least get them from zero to one or from, from one to two? Yeah, I deal with this quite a bit. I would ask them to sit down and walk themselves through the journey of their prospective user from the person who is furthest away from buying the product or the service to the person who is ready, willing, and able to do so. And then ask yourself, what are the kinds of challenges, questions, fears, concerns, solutions, however you want to phrase it, what are the kinds of things that are occurring to that user at every step? And look at it in like three phases, right? The person who's furthest away from the solution or sort of the end result that you want them to be at? What kind of challenges are they dealing with? Where are they? What kind of stuff are they looking at? How do you maybe create content that, you know, meets them there and says, hey, you may not be ready for our stuff, but we hope that at some point, if you are, you're going to follow us along this journey because we're going to answer these questions for you, which may not be completely related to what we do, but we know they're somewhere over here. And then who's that person in the middle where maybe they're just starting to kind of get on the path where they're going to need that thing or they're looking for the solution that you provide. And then 
Where is that person at the end of that journey, right? What kind of questions are they asking right before they make that decision? Are they just comparing price? Are they looking for reviews and testimonials? Are they looking for, you know, data on its, you know, efficacy? Like what are the things that they're looking at? So I would just walk yourself through the, the stage from, hey, I'm somebody who's in the realm, but not ready for what we offer all the way to the person who is really ready and the person we're trying to always convert today. What challenges are they having? What problems and issues are they dealing with? And how can I create content, whether it be a podcast, a newsletter, a blog, a TikTok, how can I create content that connects with them at every stage of that funnel? 